Congratulations, you're listening to Podcast Rebellion. Welcome to Podcast Rebellion, everybody. This is Juco All-American, joined by Whiskey Wednesday, and we are talking transfer portal and recruiting uh, on on this week's episode. We actually may do another episode if something wild happens in the portal uh, this week. But yeah, plenty to talk about. The portal opened on Monday, and there have been over 800 entrants uh, to the to the portal, uh, which is, you know, amazing given that it is Wednesday at noon. And I'm sure that that number has climbed. That was as of yesterday. Uh, so yeah, plenty of guys to talk about. First, as always, we'll talk about what we're drinking. It is noon on Wednesday. I am not drinking. Uh, but two things. I got so I, I had some some good work news the other day and uh, decided to pour myself a glass of the Aberfeldy 18 year that I keep uh, in the in the back of the liquor cabinet. Hopefully not to uh, not to reach for it often enough that it it uh, becomes a casual drink. Um, and that, that that's great. It's a uh, it's uh, it's a uh, wine cask aged or, or wine cask finished uh, after the 18 years and is is delicious, but. Uh, you'll you'll like this based on your penchant for rum. Uh, I actually bought some Diplomatico uh, the other day and have really enjoyed sipping it just on the rocks with uh, with no necessary mixers. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's a really really good one uh, if you're looking to you know learn what a really nice smooth rum tastes like. That's a, a great one that you can get. I think at most stores. Um, you know, you can go down a big rabbit hole, but that's like one of the most common ones I see. That's really, really good. Um, yeah, I think I think the bottle was thirty five dollars, if I remember right. So very reasonable. That's a good price, even. Yeah, it's, I think it's more here. Um, yeah, you mentioned scotch. Uh, my wife and I had my wife and I uh, had a nice glass of Lagavulin um, the other night, which is probably the most recent thing that I had that's noteworthy. Uh, she cooked this enormous ribeye steak and we split it, uh, with some vegetables, which is a pretty good, uh, Tuesday night dinner, uh, I would say or Monday. Yeah. So yeah, that's my, my, uh, notable thing that I've had to drink. Yeah. I actually, um, I know that this is not a food podcast, but I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that, uh, I started a carne guisada, uh, which is a beef stew. Uh, a Mexican beef stew and uh, it's been on the slow cooker for or in the slow cooker for four hours and um, now when I walk around my house it's like mmm <laughs> beefy tomatoy <laughs> goodness uh, so yeah it's it's a little bit distracting but I'm, I'm pleased with it so far um, yeah. okay so let's talk about Ole Miss sports uh, first of all this is not transfer portal news but deandre prince is coming back absolutely huge news um so we we both were really surprised i think when that came through today um and so i wrote a quick blurb about it and in said blurb i you know try to provide some context it's like the transfer portal is taking up all these headlines right now and, and, you know, in people's, you know, headspace who, who follow college football and, and recruiting and stuff like that. Uh, but portal guys are a gamble and 
even like a lot of the best portal guys you get aren't going to be the best starters on your team. They're going to be valuable death pieces, stuff like that. DeAndre Prince is one of the best starters on the Ole Miss roster. Um, and I think my strong opinion is that he was the best member of the secondary uh, and totally unexpectedly got him back. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. I, as you mentioned, like we're in the fun time where transfer portal players become top of mind. Let's imagine for a moment that DeAndre Prince goes pro and in this hypothetical and uh, Ole Miss gets a transfer, a one-year transfer from the cornerback who pro football focus ranks as the 13th best corner in the country. Like that is a huge impact. That's maybe one of the best transfers that Ole Miss, almost certainly one of the best transfers that Ole Miss gets during this off season. Well, that's DeAndre Prince, uh, you know, and he just decided to stay instead of, uh, you know, coming in from elsewhere. Uh, obviously, I know that Pro Football Focus, like we can we can debate about their value and how accurately they evaluate and all that kind of stuff. Totally, 100%. But like, I think it's relatively inarguable that he is one of the top 50 corners in the country. And so then like, that's already solid, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And just, you know, he, he passes the eye test game after game as a guy who is in position, um, is just a really, really solid SEC starter. And has played a ton. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I know we talk about how, you know, he was gone from the team for that, that year, uh, Kiffin's first year, but like he picked off Joe Burrow. I mean, he, you know, he is, a, a, as a true freshman, he is a very experienced corner. And at a position where you want both incredible talent and also experience, he brings both of those things. Yeah. Just, just a huge, huge development. Uh, yeah. Uh, also before we get to, uh, to the portal, um, Jake Thornton, Ole Miss is, I guess, still technically current offensive line coach, unless something breaks within the next few minutes. Um, is leaving for Auburn, right? And so, uh, you know, that is interesting. Um, And I think you wanted to speak a little bit about Hugh Freeze and targeting Ole Miss coaches. Uh, But actually, before we do, um, Jake Thornton, look, position coaches, we don't know whether, what is um, determined by the coach, what is determined by the player's ability and all that sort of stuff. But, uh, the passing, the pass protection of this offensive line never got any better, uh, this year and, you know, finished last year bad as well. And so, you know, it's great that they were able to run block, but there are two, di- two dimensions to a game. And we've talked about it relentlessly on this podcast about how Jackson Dart can't be judged because the pass pro was so bad all year. Um, yeah, now we'll see if somebody else can come in and do better uh, and, you know, work better on technique around pass pro and getting players in the right position to make plays and that sort of thing. Yeah, and, you know, speaking of players in the right position, again, hard to say whether this is an indictment on Jake Thornton, but coming into the season, the narrative was that Ole Miss had this uh, veteran experienced offensive line um, and then that lineup got shuffled up over and over again 
uh, you know, not because of injury, but because, you know, they, they thought other guys just might perform better. Uh, and I don't know whether that, uh, hurt the units kind of cohesiveness or, or what, but yeah, you got to think there's some room for improvement because we know there's some talented guys uh, on that offensive line unit. And again, just watching how games unfolded, it was like nearly every, you know, three or five step drop or, or whatever that Jackson Dart did step one, dodge the completely unblocked guy. Uh, and so yeah. it'd be very interesting yeah. to see how good he was without that step. <laughs> Yeah, and, and with a different receiving core. Uh, and I, that's not actually a slight. I mean, I think that, look, Jonathan Mingo finished second team all SEC. Um, and Malik Heath, you, you could argue Malik Heath was a more consistently reliable receiver than than Mingo, especially down the stretch. Um, but as we've talked about again and again and again, past those guys, it was kind of tough. Uh, and so, you know, the, we'll have new receivers in, uh, in some capacity, or the same receivers maybe stepping up. We'll see uh, just a, a better opportunity to kind of let dark darts play itself, speak for itself, as opposed to what he stopped from happening uh, being such a good thing. Cause I mean, I think that was one of the things in, in our group chats among red cup writers is like th- throughout games, we would consistently find ourselves saying like, man, dot dart really like, you know, dodged a, a huge problem there. Uh, but then it would end up being like, a six yard gain or something like that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, something else about Jake Thornton that maybe slightly overlooked. So the previous offensive line coach, was it Randy Clements? Am I, am I getting dudes mixed up? Okay. That's right. That's right. Uh, was let go what after spring ball or something like the, the timing of it was yeah. very odd. It was in uh, the summer. And so, yeah, I think, having to find a new offensive line coach kind of out of the normal cycle of, you know, staff turnover probably made it more difficult on Lane Kiffin. So you wonder if he might be able to do better this time, uh, having the opening opening come open at a normal time. Um, yeah, something we I've, you know, seen tossed around message boards and stuff. I, I don't think it's been officially, you know, reported by the main guys, but, uh, the, Offensive line coach for North Carolina State, uh, John Garrison, uh, previously worked with Kiffin at FAU. Um, he's a Nebraska player and alum, was also the offensive line coach at Nebraska at UNLV, um, and now, of course, at NC State. So there are a lot of rumors that he could be kind of the next in line and he brings a lot more experience than Thornton. So uh, I think that, that would be a pretty solid hire. If he were to be hired by Ole Miss, then he should just reach out to Hugh Freeze and uh, then immediately move to Auburn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he would have that job pretty much all but locked up. Yeah, he uh, would have an he would have an offer definitely on the yeah, table. Yeah. So yeah, if you haven't been following um, the the guys who have been rumored as targets for Hugh Freeze's staff at Auburn, um, we've heard of all of them uh, because. <laughs> All of them have either coached at Ole Miss or with Hugh Freeze or both. Uh, he, so I don't know. He he seems to have, 
you know, continue to kind of burn bridges and not expand his kind of network of guys that could stand to work with him. And it's just kind of funny to see. Uh, he, he reportedly reached out to Derek Nix um, and maybe even Charlie Weiss Jr. about the offensive coordinator, coordinator position. Uh, Ken Austin's name has been thrown around. Um, all kinds of like Finley. Maurice names. Harris. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, interesting to see him up to. Uh, wait, wait, is, is that name right? What was the guy's name? Maurice the Harris. Coach? Maurice Harris, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Chris Kiffin is a, is a defensive coordinator name that keeps being thrown around. Um, I guess, it you know, uh, I, I think that it's probably preposterous, uh, but I do think it's it's it would be interesting if suddenly Chris Kiffin decides to take freeze up on it and goes and takes the Auburn defensive coordinator job. Like, does that say something about his his uh, relationship with Lane Kiffin and like his unwillingness to do so a year ago with Lane? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, in, in fairness, Kiffin's not supposed to be the easiest guy to work with. Um, no either he definitely seems uh a little aloof and you know maybe a little hands off i guess but but yeah he's he's not Hugh Freeze, and for that we are grateful um so. <laughs> yeah except i mean if you think about it like if you really want the an auburn position coach job then just come to Ole miss for a year right yeah <laughs> then you've got you you've made the gotten the job that you want like if you're an auburn alum and, you know, you just have a love for that university, then come to Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, one other thing we wanted to talk about before Transfer Portals, which I know I keep, like, kicking down the, the curb, uh, is, uh, you know, some, some thoughts around, like, the defensive staff, I guess. Um, there have been rumblings, uh, both on message boards and with a couple of people that I've, I've talked to. Uh, that you know there could be some some changes, especially when the bowl game is over. But I guess I wonder, like, if we're waiting until the bowl game is over, then like tons of hires have already been made. Finding the guy who you know can step into those roles maybe becomes tougher, and also like whoever is let go or just decides to move on or whatever. Uh, they kind of get screwed over as well um, because they've, they've then missed the primary hiring portion of the, of the off season. Yeah. Not totally sure what the logic would be behind waiting that late, but I'm also not even sure exactly who would be targeted right. for, for changes among the staff. Like I don't necessarily see a really weak point. And if there was one, it might be, Partridge as you know the the lone or the primary defensive coordinator I mean he's definitely super valuable as a recruiter and I don't think he's bad as a defensive coordinator I mean I, I probably angrily said he was a million times on on slack this year. <laughs> um, but yeah it, it'd be interesting to see what happens um, of course there are some guys who could be targets for being poached by other coaching staffs. Uh, Randall Joyner is a guy who's going to perennially come up uh, until yeah. we either make him DC uh, or until he leaves for somewhere. Um, 
Yeah. So, so there's that. I think Sam Carter, um, the defensive backs coach or cornerbacks coach is, is pretty solid too. I don't really know much about Maurice Croom as a linebackers coach. Um, and yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens, but yeah, given just the super inconsistent performance of the defense, I think it was such that, that Kiffin probably feels like he has to do something just to, you know, give the appearance at least that he is trying to overhaul that unit a little bit. I mean, maybe, yeah, either that, or maybe he's just, he thought they were bad and, you know, thought that he should expect better. Um, that's, that's possible. I mean, certainly like <laughs> the LSU and Arkansas games, I know like everybody wants to forget about those games, but the defense was atrocious in both games, like Wesley McGriff level atrocious. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They really were. And yeah, Arkansas, that's a team that just like Ole Miss has to learn how to play Arkansas because they're <laughs> usually not much better if at all uh, talent wise, record wise, whatever. And they just like kick us apart year after year after year. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I know we beat them just last year, but it's like we alternate between, uh, you know, last second victories over Arkansas and then like four touchdown blowout losses to Arkansas. Uh, yeah. We also, we also have a number of like, cool opportunities get wrecked by Arkansas. And I don't just mean fourth and 25. Like, oh yeah, there are just so many times that it's like, well, you know, if we can beat Arkansas, like this season will have been, and it's like, Brah! <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> not even close. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I mean, to me, that is our third rival in the sec. I mean, I think yeah. it's, it's LSU and state kind of tied depending on which, you know, depending on how good Ole Miss is, uh, which one of them is our top rival. Um, mm-hmm. And then Arkansas is is the third. It's just a, you know, a, a bloodbath every year. Um, and then, you know, I think uh, Alabama is, you know, not <laughs> too far ahead of where we are as a program to be considered a primary rival. And then A&M is just a joke, kind of a rich joke. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean it's weird that we have problems showing up against Arkansas. Um, yeah. If it, this is not in the notes or anything and not something we talked about at a time, but if you had the opportunity to, um, I guess essentially never play state again, or like play them as if they were a rotating East opponent, would you take that opportunity? Oh Yeah. I, I, I a hundred thousand percent would. Yeah. And um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think it would be healthier for everyone involved. I think that, you know, uh, state fans would mostly be super pissed about it because they wouldn't have that anymore to like hang their hats on in whatever capacity they can hang their hats. Uh, but gosh, that would be so cool. I, I know that's not even being talked about, but yeah, that would be great. Um, let's actually talk about, the, the portal now though um, you actually have written down tons of these of these names if, if we want to talk through these in order in general um, we lead off with a couple of wide receivers obviously Ole Miss has some significant needs there uh, and there will be 
plenty of receivers who are who are mentioned in some capacity with Ole Miss. Um, but two early names are Ra Ra Thomas and Dominic Lovett. Ra Ra Thomas is the leading receiver from Mississippi State. Dominic Lovett is the leading receiver from Missouri, and both are in the portal. Yeah, absolutely. So I'd say the most noise is surrounding Ra Ra Thomas um, as soon as he hit the portal. Uh, Ole Miss social media was all over it, and he seemed to be kind of reciprocal. Um, and and yeah, that, there's just a lot of heat uh, connecting him to Ole Miss right now. I think he is going to be courted by other schools, um, you know, other big SEC players, uh, you know, I think Georgia reportedly wants him in Tennessee. Um, But, you know, you think he might be a little lower on their pecking order than that of Ole Miss. Um, And then of course, you know, staying in state is, is valuable to a lot of guys too. Um, So there's a lot of heat there. Um, Thomas is a sophomore. He's about six foot two, I think. Uh, And again, he was state's leading receiver and, you know, caught a lot of balls and scored a, a you know decisive touchdown in the egg bowl weirdly um <laughs> dominic lovett is you know one of the more prolific receivers in the whole conference um probably the the most prolific who is currently in the portal uh in the sec anyway um he's a, a you know not a big guy which makes me inclined to be less excited about him because I, I, I just have it in my head that like you need a couple of big physical wide receivers to have a good passing attack in the SEC. I just I haven't seen enough evidence that you can not have that and be successful through the air. Um, but his production really speaks for itself. Um, and so he would be another pretty huge pickup. What year is he? I forgot. Uh, he is he a sophomore, sophomore year. Yeah, yeah. So, so two young guys. Uh, and there are a ton of names at receiver um, that are in the portal. Um, a couple guys from Alabama, primarily Treshawn Holden, uh, has been linked to to Ole Miss a lot. But you know, the more the more I think about it, and you know, we can kind of circle back to this. Um, as the the portal season progresses a little bit. Last year, um, Kiffin and Ole Miss seemed to steer away from guys from big programs who weren't getting a lot of playing time, you know, five stars who were behind other five stars. They seemed to favor guys from smaller programs who were overlooked and then blew it up for two or three years. Uh, in those smaller programs. So you wonder if that is a coincidence or if that is a philosophy um, and and if they'll kind of stick with that, you know? Mm-hmm. Because I can tell you there are, whenever people enter the portal, I'm pulling things up on them to kind of try to like see if, they're look, if they look interesting. Uh, not everyone. I haven't looked at 700 profiles, but uh, among those who are coming from other significant programs. I especially want to look at them. And there are a ton of guys in the portal who were really highly thought of out of high school, be it four or five stars who did next to nothing at their, at, at their school and wading through those guys of which of them are, were sort of wrong place for them or, had a senior starter ahead of them or something like that. 
that has to be the toughest thing. Because some of those guys just aren't good. Yeah. But like, yeah, how you're do right. you, So you have you like, <laughs> yeah, and you ask the team they're they're leaving, or like you look at the you know their six career tackles. You look at film of those you know six tackles that they had. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 really tough. Yeah, sure, um, for sure. But I mean, at some point, there's so many of those guys too. Uh, I think one of the glaring needs that Ole Miss has on defense is just athleticism in, you know, the 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 front line uh, on the defensive line linebackers, and you know, the athleticism is there with a lot of those five star guys. You know, more so than a guy you grab from a G five program. So at some point you got to try to tap into that. If, if you're just having trouble attracting, you know, 230 pound linebackers who can also run, if you're having trouble yeah. attracting 280 pound defensive ends who can get to the passer quickly, you know, like that's, that's stuff where your production at, you know, central Michigan doesn't necessarily matter as much. Right. That's a, that's a good point. Um, Okay, so I mean, I think that you know you have a point about Dominic Lovett. He's listed at five ten, but Kiffin has shown the ability to use that, of course, with with Elijah Moore. I'm not saying they're the same, um, but yeah, yeah. you know, I think that one problem for Ole Miss is it just doesn't have playmakers, and finding playmakers in what however they would fit, it needs to find some guys who can do things with the ball. Oh yeah, no, yeah, and I'm I'm not trying to you know, to put down. Love it. Right. Uh, he would be a guy that I'd be ecstatic to land. But yeah, he's second team all SEC. So yeah, that would be, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be pretty good. Uh, but yeah, I think they do need some size. And so we'll hopefully figure out more about which guys are being targeted. It's just like it's very early in the process. And, you know, we'll we'll learn more once visits, visits get set up and stuff like that. Um, yeah, let's see. A couple other guys that we we have heard Ole Miss has reached out to and, and had conversations with. Um, so tight end is another big position, and they're kind of two or three guys that we've heard about mainly there. The I think the main target right now is uh, Maryland's tight end CJ. I don't know how to pronounce this last. I'm name. guessing Dupree. Yeah, D I P P R E. How do you pronounce that, dude? Um, <laughs> Change your name. Yeah. Uh, let's see. He is a sophomore as well, listed at 6'5", 260 from Scranton, PA. Da, 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 da. Uh, that's that's where the office is, you know, set. Um, anyway, he had 30 receptions for 314 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, but if you look at highlights of him, he's just really athletic um, and, you know, has the, the frame to be kind of a well-rounded tight end uh, as well, which is something that, that Ole Miss needs. Um, and so I think he's he's a, a primary target. Um, and then the other one is Jaheim Bell from South Carolina. Uh, he is a freak athlete. He actually played quite a bit of running back for the Gamecocks this year when they had a couple of injuries. Um, he's just a guy that they, they tried to get the ball to pretty much any way they could. Um, he is... Similar size to Michael Trigg. He's like 6'3", uh, 230, 240. Um, but just like super, super athletic, but maybe not the most like well-rounded, maybe not the best blocker 
rot runner, et cetera, just a, a freak athlete. Um, so those are the two names that I've heard the most. Yeah. Jaheim Bell is the one that I want. Um, I, I think that I value having a potential sort of game breaker player there. Um, and yeah, I, I saw he had like 250 rushing yards on the season and 250 receiving yards. Um, last year, he hurdled a dude, uh, you know, as a tight end in college, uh, hurdled a, a defender. Um, yeah, I signed me up for that. I'll, I'll take that dude every day. Yeah, he looks great. Um, that's something I would love to see in, in Kiffin's offense, having a traditional tight end and then having sort of a, a playmaking tight end. And, mm-hmm. you know, my sincere hope is that Michael Trigg gets it together and can be that guy because, I mean, his talent is is obvious, even though his production wasn't great last year. Um, and so, you know, maybe having less pressure to kind of do it all in the tight end position would help him. Who knows? Yeah. Jaheim um, Bell, uh, before we move on to somebody else, Jaheim Bell in last year's bowl game against UNC, <laughs> which was the Dukes Mayo bowl. Shout out to Dukes. Um, yeah. he had five catches for 159 yards and two touchdowns. And he had <laughs> three, three carries for 21 yards in that game. <laughs> That's, that's <laughs> he's a tight end. He's a tight end. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Be, yeah. Uh, that's um. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> you, can't, you can't be bad and and have that stat line. I don't think. No, I mean I recognize UNC is not a dominant defense, but like <laughs> that's you know they're they're college football players who are in the P five and play for a team that may still be ranked in the top twenty five. I don't remember. I'm sure uh, they are. Yeah. Yeah, so there you go. Anyway, um, so Ole Miss will probably target um, a couple of offensive linemen as well just to provide, you know, depth and then pressure for starting spots at a couple of positions. Um, I would think they might favor guards. Um, I'm not totally sure what their thoughts are on that. Uh, but a, a big one, maybe the biggest one, uh available is Alabama's JVN Cohen. Um, he has started a ton of games uh, at, at guard for them over the past two seasons. Uh, he's, he's been pretty much their full-time starter the last two years at offensive guard and he's in the portal. Um, funny or interesting side note, there are by my count five different Alabama offensive linemen in the portal and at least four of them are contributors and two of them have been starters for, you know, a lot of games. Uh, the other one who started a fair amount, we've already, I think we talked about him last time, Damian George. That's his name, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but even he wasn't as entrenched as a starter as Cohen. Uh, like, he's a pretty real deal. I don't, I don't know if he's one of those guys who enters the portal with his mind, you know, half made up or, or more than half made up. But man, that's to me, that's the most impressive offensive lineman that is in the portal. Um, I'm, I'm sure some other analysts would disagree with me, but I mean, starting a lot of games at Alabama at offensive line is is quite a pedigree. Yeah, I, I mean, also like offensive line is one of those positions where having not played a ton, even if, you know, or played played somewhat as a backup, like is not necessarily a glaring red flag. Like 
it's kind of a it's kind of a unit where in general you sort of like pick a starting five and kind of stick with them for the most part uh so it's like oh these guys were five stars who you know played backup snaps at alabama for two years like okay that's fine they could still be really really good yeah for sure and you know it's a position where you know it it favors veterans too so you know Mm -hmm. if if five-star redshirt redshirt freshmen get bored at Alabama. Like, yeah, come on. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <clears throat> okay. Uh, so on to the defensive side of the ball. I think that obviously Ole Miss has needs, in my opinion, at every position on defense. Um, and certainly it starts with getting some edge rushing and some pressure. Yeah, Absolutely. So there are two guys from Western Michigan. We've kind of talked about. Yeah, I think about. it's fascinating yeah. to me. <laughs> um, two guys from Western Michigan who who Ole Miss has reached out to and and appears to be you know heavily targeting. One is Braden Fisk. We may have talked about him last time. Um, no, I don't think so. Okay, so he, if you look up his recruiting profiles, it lists him as like a 240 pound offensive guard or interior offensive line or whatever. Uh, but if you look him up on the Western Michigan website or ESPN, he is six foot five and 300 pounds, uh, which is a lot different than 240. Uh, and he plays defense and is very productive. <laughs> uh, he had, as again, as a 300 pound defensive lineman this year, he had 56 tackles, uh, four and a half sacks, forced fumble, forced reco- or fumbled recovery, uh, two passes defended somehow, uh, I guess probably swatted. Um, and he had 43 tackles last year, 23 in 2020, and then 24 in 2019. So he's been like a heavy contributor for four years. Um, and uh, kind of what we've heard kicked around is that some experts were surprised that he didn't just declare for the draft. Uh, he's supposed to be really athletic, really good. Um, and so they're, you know, they're targeting him. And then his teammates, uh, let's see, Andre Carter, um, slightly smaller at 6'5", 260-ish, um, but also super productive, actually even more so this year. He had 67 tackles, six and a half sacks, two forced fumbles. Um, so yeah, apparently just two studs playing for Western Michigan and, and, and Ole Miss is definitely interested in those guys. Um, does it Does it not seem to you like Ole Miss should go after Western Michigan's defensive line coach i mean maybe i don't know <laughs> so so i actually just looked it up uh he he the their defensive ends coach is also their defensive coordinator uh his name is lou esposito and he played at memphis uh the university of memphis he um then played this is actually interesting he then played for the memphis explorers with no E at the front, just the letter capital, you know, X, mm. um, which is an uh, arena league team, I believe. Let me make sure that's right. Uh, yeah, I saw them play. Uh, the The years don't overlap, so I don't think I was able to uh, to to see Lou Esposito. But uh, yeah, so then he started a a coaching career um, that has taken him through like NAIA and that sort of thing. Uh, and ultimately landed him at Western Michigan where he's their defensive coordinator and also defensive ends coach. Like uh, maybe try to hire that dude. 
I mean, yeah, it sounds like he, he produces uh, or develops guys, which, you know, is, is something that uh, might be a criticism of uh, <laughs> some Ole Miss coaches. Uh, yeah. And like, you know, Troy Brown as well. Right. So it's like mm-hmm. there are, you know, Ole Miss has benefited from from some of those dudes. Obviously, yeah. like I, I was looking through kind of how their season went and. Uh, you know, they got blown out by Michigan State. Uh, they gave up a bunch of points to Ball State. But, like, in their path, in their last one, two, three, four, five, five games, they gave up 10, 13, 24, 10, and 14 points. So, like, you know, Western Michigan probably shouldn't be judged by how they perform against Michigan State, but. Uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> this is like super tangent. <laughs> I'm not saying I've heard about Lou Esposito before moments ago when I had this thought, but yeah, yeah. Uh, give it a look. If, uh, yeah, if yeah. Ole Miss finds itself in need of defensive staff, I know Lane Kiffin li- listens to our pod religiously. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, finder's fee, just pass mm. me a, a few thousand. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that. Hey, I'm just, I'm just happy to help. Honestly, I don't <laughs> We're just helping the program. Um, Also, Lou Esposito is a cool name. It It is a cool name. It just flies off the tongue. It's great. Uh, (laughs) um, So let's see. The the only other reported defensive lineman offer that I've heard of is um, Arizona uh, defensive end uh, Paris Shand, which does not roll off the tongue. It's a cool name, but you have to like say it slowly. Paris Shand. Yeah, uh, that that sh kind of like can become yeah. parish, parish and. Uh, yeah, but he's listed. At, he's a sophomore, six five two ninety from Toronto, uh, up in up in Canada, um, and it looks like he played a little bit in twenty twenty, but took a red shirt and then has been decently productive each of the last few, uh, two years. But yeah, I don't I don't know anything about Arizona's you know defensive personnel situation but it, it seems like maybe that's not the stat line of a full-time starter which i don't know i don't know what to think about that but it, he reportedly ha- is being recruited by Ole Miss, so um, mm-hmm. so there it is uh let's see linebackers the, the, this is another position along with wide receiver where we've heard 800 names tossed out and we don't really know who the main ones are um one that we are relatively sure that they are recruiting is Oregon linebacker Justin Flo. Um, again, on team team cool name uh, <laughs> for sure. And also in the class of 2020, he was the number six overall recruit uh, player. <laughs> not not just linebacker, but the number six player in the country. Yeah. So so obviously he has not had the college career that he envisioned for himself. Uh, I think he had like 35 tackles this year and that was his most productive of three seasons in uh, Eugene. He initially redshirted, I think, right? So he, he will have two years of eligibility remaining. Yeah, that, that sounds right. Oh no, he would have three because oh. of the COVID year. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so he apparently has been injured some and apparently just has a little bit of... I don't know. Uh, What I read about him is that he had some like personal fouls and stuff and kind of like played dumb a little bit, but like his athleticism is wild. 
Uh, and, and again, it kind of goes back to what I said earlier, like Ole Miss needs athleticism on defense. And sometimes that's going to involve taking a chance on a guy who's super athletic, but hasn't panned out at, you know, a, a big, big program. Yeah, I would love to take the dude. I, I saw some highlights of him and, you know, he doesn't have a lot of highlights for, uh, from college, of course, but like, he looks just like super violent and, you know is very fast. I think that, uh, you know, I, I, I've read the same, uh, complaints from Oregon fans about like, he just, uh, caused a lot of penalties and that sort of thing. And, you know, you would hope that you're able to rein those in, but we got to have potential at that position and he has potential. Yeah. I mean, I know I got a lot smarter and, and more in control of myself between the ages of like 18 and 22. So, you know, some <laughs> of those guys deserve the same chance. Yeah. Um, let's see. So, uh, yeah. So, so the last guy on our list, and this is not the Ole Miss list. Like I'm sure the Ole Miss coaches have an insane number of, uh, of players they're considering and that sort of thing. But uh, Fentrell Cypress, who is a corner transferring from UVA, would have, I believe, only one year remaining. Uh, let me check and make sure that that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was second team all ACC this past season and is transferring as a graduate transfer. Uh, you know, having gotten DeAndre Prince back makes corner less of a concern, but, he, I mean, he's a proven... Uh, pr- proven player at a position that's really hard to evaluate. So I think you 100% go after him and try to get him. Um, and oh, yeah. uh, Ole Miss has gone after him, I should say. Uh, r- reports are that they've at least reached out. I don't think that Ole Miss is a leader or anything like that. I think they're behind people, but, uh, you know, worth monitoring and paying attention to. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the the recruiting services are scrambling to kind of rank and evaluate these guys and it's super hard too because they're all from different classes and you know like how do you how do you evaluate portal guys it's impossible uh but in the early goings for a while at least he was the top rated guy in the portal according to i think on three uh surely that will change probably already has but yeah he's he's gonna be way way up there yeah um Okay, uh, I, I, I think we'll actually end here. We're going to have a, a segment where we sort of talk about uh, high school recruiting, probably on our next pod. Uh, but yeah, it's been great uh, catching up with everybody, and uh, we will talk to you again next week. All right.